1: Have you come to destroy me, Obi-Wan? I will do what I must. Then you will die. Jet and Mars, face evil's mind. hello there i'm mark marble and i'm ryan daly and this is the lantern cast
0: episode 483
1: otherwise known as the as obi-wan the post-mortem since we did obi-wan the preview <laughs> yep <laughs> so this certainly was an interesting series to watch from beginning to end because it's it was like a roller coaster uh-huh. but, and from the and this these were my initial thoughts before i turn it over to you because i the first two episodes were okay, they weren't thrilling, but they, they, they were okay and there were some things in it I liked. We already knew that they were going to do the broken down, hard on his luck, super depressed, super feeling guilty, super useless Obi-Wan Kenobi, which, again, I'm not a fan of and I don't think they should have, they didn't need to deconstruct him as much as they did, but we knew going in. They were going to do that.
0: Episode one was pretty much what we expected.
1: It yes, there wasn't a whole lot going on, it just was the call to action, if you will, yeah. and... So And and episode two ended well with the but the big reveal to him that Vader mm-hmm. slash Anakin was still alive, which was handled really well, yep. other than it being Reva. And we'll, we'll talk. I'm sure we'll talk about Reva. <laughs> episode three was my absolute least favorite because we didn't. Need, I, I, I mean, I know some people out there, the Anakin apologists, Vader lovers, Obi-Wan haters would probably love to see Obi-Wan getting beaten pillar to post. But that was such a horrible representation of Obi-Wan. Re- kind of doing, like, the, the Captain Jack Sparrow version. Like, it's like, well, I'll fight so I can run away. Right. That's <laughs> like, nah. But I thought it picked up a little more steam in episode four and five. You started... Because it, the whole point of deconstruction is because when you get to the point where everything's put back together again, it's kind of like a, like a fist pump moment. Yes. And we, and we do get that. I mean, you you get a little bit of an episode four because you can see he's starting to get his groove back when he his first concern when he gets out of the back to tank is where's where's leia and you know he has to he has to go get her and it's kind of cool seeing him look around <laughs> like pseudo death star like hallways <laughs> yep, yep, yep. <laughs> that knowledge will come in handy in like nine years <laughs> but that that was cool and episode five you know you training mont- not another training montage I got rocky on the brain but yeah the, uh, <laughs> so there's a ref that's a reference there's a reference that's why i think it's on my brain the sparring session if you will between, before attack of the clones and oh the,
0: yeah, yeah yeah yeah
1: just and just the way that echoes into the way that the episode plays out with you know obi-wan knowing what anakin's gonna do and how he's gonna screw it up <laughs> yep. but and ep- i think episode six ep- this is the funny thing about episode six if you left out all the Reba parts? <laughs> episode six gave you so much of what you wanted in this series. It really did. It, I think J- Jim said it well. He said that <laughs> the end of episode six, the, where, we, where we were left, it's exactly where he wanted the series to begin. <laughs> 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 but you really can't. But I understand all what he right. means. It's like they gave us so much good stuff. And we'll talk. I don't want to. Again, I want to let you talk. So we'll, I'll go into specifics about things I want to moments that I liked in general but episode six pulled it together so well overall and even the parts that were making me cringe as I was watching it they it still didn't turn out that bad mm-hmm. they, you know they didn't break canon enough where like like the rumors were that it was going to be just so hard to just but when I was watching it was making me very nervous every time they cut away from the Obi-Wan Vader stuff it's like oh god I really don't want to I'm um, I do want to see the Owen and Beru that was cool giving Baru finally something to do but the reality is, it made me really nervous. But the way it wrapped up was pretty good. But still, it gives you a good answer. Like Benioff and Weiss should be forced to watch this episode like on on loop, <laughs> like for like two days in a row, just because even though again it wasn't a perfect final episode, but it shows you that hey, if you end something really well, it's a good deodorant for anything else, as opposed to the opposite. You know, you give somebody sure. a horrible yes, ending, yeah. and hey, you just killed the most the biggest thing in pop culture. Like in. in, in <laughs> an episode and a half congratulations even kathleen kennedy hasn't accomplished that so far but yeah but i thought the ending was good enough where it did offset a lot not all but a lot of the flaws in the in the structure of the show and we'll go into details but i want to but i want to let you voice your general opinions or thoughts
0: yeah um i i mostly agree with what you with your assessment although we we differ our opinions differ on episode three um, and the execution of that. But overall, I, I mean, I'm trying to remember exactly how how I phrased it when we spoke a couple of weeks ago before the series began when we were doing our preview. But I kind of mentioned at the onset that this was a type of show that just by its very nature is inessential. You know, like we don't we didn't need this. This story wasn't filling in any gaps. It wasn't fixing any broken plot holes or, or things like of that nature and everything. It was just filler and fan service really by by default. That's all it was. And because of that, I think there was a little bit of a low ceiling. Like the show could only be so good. And I think that's evident because of the last episode, which is very enjoyable. But at the same time, we kind of know what's gonna happen with when Obi-Wan and Vader are fighting. And we kind of know what's gonna happen with Reva chasing Luke. I and mean, like obviously like though the like certain most of those characters, their fates are predetermined by us fans. So there's not going to be a lot of suspense and a lot of like surprises going on there they still managed to make it pretty compelling and credit to them and again that goes back to some of just the fan service elements but i think i think the show was limited in how well it could be like it had a cap but the best elements of the show brought it pretty close to that cap and and there were certain certain things about the show that surprised me in how much i liked them in particular the whole princess leia subplot which i i was kind of banging my head thinking i don't know how this can work and somehow i was like i actually really really liked that part of the show but big picture like this was the the thing that i i my like my first general thought after I watched the sixth episode and I'm wondering what you think about this because of the way you acknowledge that there were some ups and downs and there were some lulls and there were there were problems with it this series this story was originally conceived to be a two hour movie and not a six hour miniseries. I think it should have been a two hour movie
1: yeah, I agree no yeah. there was there was there was enough there's enough in this Considering we never really had a super long episode, despite the rumors that the last episode was going to be like an hour and a half. It was only 52 minutes. Yeah. That we never had a really long episode of the show. And there still wasn't there were some episodes that had a tremendous amount of at least what could be perceived as filler. So, yes, I think a two, two, two and a half hour movie that you could have gotten all the all the really important stuff in this movie. Right. And you could have done it probably in a better, honestly, in a better way.
0: Right, I think a lot of the extraneous characters, like the Kumail Nanjiani character, like uh, like there were just there were a lot of extra characters, in, like parts of the ship where I was just like, why are you here? Like the whole thing, like with the the rebels and the resistance, like or the the rebels like flying in their their ship and everything, like even even the Inquisitors. Like if you took the Inquisitors and Riva and that whole subplot out of the story, like you can still tell the story without them. Just have one kind of, like, gung-ho ISB agent who just has this idea that, yeah, we're going to ha- hire some mercenaries to kidnap Princess Leia, see if we can smoke out this Jedi, and, like, leave it at that. And then Darth Vader, like, kind of takes over, and it's just the Obi-Wan-Darth Vader chase type of thing like that without the Reva subplot. Now, I we'll, – we'll come back to Reva, but I was like, yeah, like, I don't know. Like, I, I, I think this could have been a much tighter, much more successful – two and a half hour movie because I just there there were there was a lot of fat in the series that could have been trimmed. Not unlike the meat that you know <laughs> Obi-Wan was cutting on Tatooine <laughs> and that weird sand whale thing that he he stuffed the, he stole the meat and put it in his his uh
1: shirt. The, yeah the pet the little pouch for his Opie. Yeah. <laughs> um at least he's taking care of his animal. <laughs> I agree. I think the re with, the re with, I agree with you. You could very easily have reconfigured the story without the Inquisitors at all. But if you wanted the Inquisitors in this, it made sense to give us a character like Reva, because even though in theory, a character like Reva should have been expendable. I'm sure it was some, and the rumor was that she was going to die, but I'm sure this was heavy, some agenda-driven stuff that probably kept her alive, so we can, oh, we can use her again, and we just had everybody try to rally around her before the show even began. We can't kill her. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But a character like Reva could exist, could serve a purpose because technically speaking she had information she knew information that both sides didn't want the other side to know which is fine for drive the plot forward but then eventually because she has all this information and and it's almost inevitable at one point this information is going to get shared one way or the other even though in all honesty i don't know how relevant it would really be if the galaxy at large found out that darth vader used to be anakin skywalker i really don't know how earth shattering the how that would change a whole lot i don't at this i mean the the people some yes the name would probably resonate just with some people still but i don't know if that would all of a sudden like rally all these systems against the empire that were i i don't but either way <laughs> but still she had not she had knowledge so go ahead.
0: yeah i i guess like the only the only thing is that if it was that public information somebody probably would have told luke while he was in the rebellion I guess
1: maybe, like, yeah. Oh yeah, at that point you're right. It would, it would, it would, it would have ramifications down the road for as we got into four, five, and six. Yes, there's no doubt about that. Just like if, if she told Vader that he had a son, that right? Be, but even if she didn't tell him where, that the reality is, yeah, that that could change the whole, the whole focal point. Right. But it's just so reverse. The way they wrote Reva didn't do didn't do Moses Ingram any favors. It didn't do any defenders of, oh, people who all automatically want to rally around her because they think in some instances it was probably true that people attacked her personally and attacked her racially and all stuff that's garbage. And we all know that's garbage, but it doesn't insulate the character from having being able to be criticized. And that character was not that character was we know she wasn't supposed to be likable likable, because until episode five, which is way too long to give her any kind of warmth and backstory, even though we all suspected she was the kid in temple, but the reality is it wasn't
0: confirmed. Well, yeah. That's the problem. Like, I mean, I, like by the end of it, like by the end of episode six, I'm like, this was an interesting character with an interesting character arc. And I kind of want to see this character go forward. If there is some sort of redemption arc, like, I'm interested in Reva's story from this point, but the execution and the lead up throughout the first half of the series was just very clumsy because at first in episode one, I was, I was instantly intrigued by this character. And part of it is just because she was doing something that I wanted to see and I didn't get a lot, which is like – Okay, we're constantly told that the dark side of the Force users are driven by passion, emotion, anger, like rage, all of these like other emotions. Whereas you see the Jedi of the Old Republic suppress their emotions, and they're all pretty stiff and robotic. So I want to see... The Darksiders acting more volatile, more emotional, more like Kylo Ren does in the sequel trilogy. But most Darksiders that we see sound robotic like Darth Vader or the High Inquisitor. And I'm just kind of like, this type of Darksider is kind of boring to me because they're, they act the same as the Jedi. They just have different color schemes. So when... Reva comes in and she's kind of lashing out. And she's got like this feral kind of energy, like this jungle cat. I'm like I'm I'm digging this. But then you get to the point where it's like okay, but I don't understand like why is she different? What is she coming from? Like the the whole ambition thing. Like if she's acting like this, they ought to know she's going to try and stab you <laughs> like like That was the thing, like all of these, like the the Inquisitors should always be on guard, that they're going to be stabbed. And well, I did not like how the High Inquisitor was stabbed and then came back and then she got the same treatment. But so when it was revealed at the end that, yeah, this was her whole plan, that she was going to she was just luring Darth Vader so that she could take him out. I'm like, that's really cool. But really clumsily like written and, and set up like there had to be another opportunity to get close to she was on the Star Destroyer like right behind him. Like she couldn't have tried to go for his head at that point. Like why did she have to wait till he was on the planet? And then when she did actually attack him in episode five, that was just it was telegraphed so lazily, like just the, the bad editing, bad direction in that one. I I was not happy at how when she actually re- revealed to him that the betrayal that we all knew was coming now because Obi-Wan exposed it, I didn't like how they showed that. Um, and the fact that like Darth Vader let her live because plot reasons, yep. was just really poorly written. Like, so I, I was like – I was with her on the side. I was defending her, but then I was kind of confused by her motivation. And then I was like, okay, she's she's leading it. She's got her own agenda. Where she's going to try and kill Vader. This is really cool. But, oh, that was – that's how you're going to do it? That was really stupid. And now I don't trust you. And, okay, why are you alive? Just because we need you. And then she's going after Luke. Why? She's going to try and kill him just to inflict pain on Vader, but she can't do it because – okay, so – it, it, her, like the the up and down, like I, I just think her character was mismanaged from the writing standpoint. And again, this isn't against Moses Ingram. I, I think you're right. She the actress was fine, she's great, and by the end of it, that's what sort of like by by where we are in season six and like or by episode six, like is there more for this character to do? I'll follow it. I'll see where she goes from here. But yeah, I, I kind of like there were, there were times when I was defending her, and I didn't know if I could defend her, but there were other times when I was – yeah, it's just a, a tough character that I don't think was serviced well by the writing, but has definite potential going forward.
1: I think episodes five and six, you got – the overall, her character was a little better because you, once you started understanding it, but they also didn't do the character any favors by on the surface – by raying her so because every she was always ahead of she was always able to be smarter than everybody else on the surface.
0: Right. And,
1: and figure out what was going on. And she and only she could uncover the ice that hey, you know, Bail Organa and Obi Wan Kenobi have this relationship. So, you know, maybe if we do something to Bail Organa that will drive that, that will drive Obi Obi Wan out and things right. like that. It's like 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 Anakin couldn't have tried couldn't have figured that out or yeah. tried that. So I think they did humanize her at the end and the st- the scenes, you know, the scene at the end with her and Obi-Wan was cool was yeah, that was that worked. That certainly resonated. That worked. Mm-hmm. And and I like the scene with with Obi-Wan and in, in her, you know, through the blast door there. I think when because which is also part of Obi-Wan getting his groove back, because Obi-Wan's just reading her like a book and it's like, oh, right. like it's like, get out of my head, Obi-Wan. And it also does explain partially why she's so obsessed with finding Obi-Wan, because again, in her mind, she blames she blames Obi-Wan for for the whole Anakin thing though, of course, uh, well, I was, I had to laugh when she said like, like, where were you when like when Anakin was doing, when Anakin was like slaughtering everybody at the temple. It's like m- me and my dinosaur were getting shot at by clone troopers. If you want to know the truth. And then, and then I beat the living shit out of him. He just happened to live, <laughs> but it's okay. <laughs> but it's okay. Just yeah, dump it all on me. But, but I think that, When you look at some of this, the 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 real problem, trying to get close, you know, to keep your friends close but your enemies closer concept is great, but the problem is, much like Vader, we know she's done a bunch of horrible things.
0: Sure. And and, and like in order to get to get to that level, to get that close, yeah. She's
1: killing other Jedi. She's probably she could be killing maybe not kids, kids, but she's killing you know certainly. You know, like the like the the age of the Jedi that that shows up in the in the from the first episode. Yeah, the one that's left hanging in the middle of Bakerhead yes. Town Square. So, yeah. So you know that she's done a lot of bad things. Right. And again, it's like as Natasha would say, is there possible for her to get that much red out of her ledger if she right, if she right, if she right. killed? And the, and at least with Vader, you you have to give credit where credit's due. He he's doing horrible things, but he's completely committed to it and he believes in it. Arguably, right. she's not even fully committed to it and she's doing it because she's trying to achieve a greater good, but does that really make her any better than better than Vader? At least Vader's being true to himself when he's doing this stuff. And while she's like, I don't know. Plus it's like, why would she in a million years not think that he would be able to read her at least enough? I mean, we know he's not perfect. And that's why I'm, that's, that's why I was kind of cool in the series, you got- he got both sides, which is also a problem because the more badass you make Vader, the, which is fine for me because I never believed he was redeemable anyway. But the more badass and horrible things that you see him do in the course of all this filler between episodes three and four, it just reinforces that this character was not, was really never redeemable, which is. But but nonetheless, that the re, the Reve, yeah, they did not do her any favors with making her all seemingly knowing all being able to do all though of course that blows up by episode five because you realize well at least from the vader perspective he kind of was just Mm -hmm. using her but you're right he never he never would have let her live it makes no sense for her to let her live
0: i wonder if instead of like i I think part of the like the, the clumsiness was just like forcing her to have her own little subplot and her own story arc in this show would it have been better to just give her her own show from the beginning, just make a show about the Inquisitors and have her be the protagonist, sort of like infiltrating this with her own agenda or save her and her storyline for season two of Obi-Wan. I don't know. I I don't know.
1: Yeah. But but either one of those suggestions, probably it would have been better served Mm -hmm. to to, to do something. They were setting her up to fail as a character just to begin with, because you knew at the end of the day, of all the different plots in the show, that's the one people were right. naturally going to care the least about. <laughs> right, right. I mean, the Princess Leia stuff was—I agree—that was handled well. It was interesting. The, they they picked the right girl, actress to play Leia because you absolutely can. <laughs> and I've yeah.
0: heard I've heard people complain about that actress. I was like, I thought she was adorable. I thought she did terrific. No. Job. She w- Other she than was. the fact that she wasn't the most athletic, like when she was running away from the 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 kidnappers and. that that kidnapping scene in that episode
1: yeah that was bad
0: that wasn't good no no no. there were there were definitely times when you like in some of the action pieces like where they were were like okay they're definitely working on a tv budget and they could have uh they could have redistributed some of the uh, funds for a different different sequence here
1: Um, like like the de-aging of hayden christensen (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) seriously but even though that's it that scene is still good, regardless of whether they they, they, they whether they did the aging or not. But it would not have hurt. I mean, it's not like you needed to do much because you didn't have that many good close-ups of his face. You just but, – right. but the I, I thought the Leia stuff was good. I actually liked the – I liked the Leia and Obi-Wan interaction. I don't – I know a lot of people try to say, oh, my God, it doesn't make any sense. It breaks canon. Well, it doesn't have to break. See, there's some, There are some things that are so blatantly obvious that break canon, yes. And there are other things that's like, well, we're used to it being this way because this is the way we understood it. And it's hard for us, maybe because we don't want to, like to move right. off of it. Right. Just because she's, first of all, when she sends that message to Obi-Wan that she sticks in R2, it's not like that was the original plan. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Know, she had to, I mean, she may have had, I mean, this may not have been completely on the fly. She may have already had a contingency what if. But, you know, Vader was not supposed to be boarding her ship and she didn't have to, you know, the plan wasn't to dump these plans on, on, on Archer D2 and send them to find Obi-Wan Kenobi. You know, the plan was she was going to get Obi-Wan Kenobi. So, which, which that wasn't clear in the original movie. It certainly was clear in Rogue One that Belle Organa was sending her to to make, you know, to tell Obi-Wan this was the time to come, basically to come back.
0: Right. She was working as an emissary.
1: Right. So, number one, she was being very diplomatic, which was her role to begin with. Right. As far as she knows, even though we, we get some nice moments with which were peppered in throughout the series, which are like it's having when Obi-Wan is talking about in as generically as he can about her parents. Mm-hmm. That it's it was it was nice because and I, I think it was to me it was really nice because obviously you knew he, you would think he would just focus in on Anakin. But the fact that obviously Losing Padme and the way it all went down obviously had a big impact <laughs> on him mm-hmm. too. So I like, so I like those in, you and McGregor was really good in all, and both, in both of the major scenes when he's talking essentially about Padme too.
0: Right. Like when he's uh in, in episode three, when they're on the back of the guy's pickup truck, Yeah, the, two, yeah, the, the, two the weird guy. alien voiced by Zach Braff. Yeah. That was, that was weird. Um, but yeah, when they're doing the whole thing, and he, he calls her by the wrong name. But yeah, I, I I really dug that scene. I liked when he was. I loved, I love the part where he was actually thinking about his past when he before like when the Jedi took him. Oh yeah. And the the fact that he mentioned, I think I had a brother. I was like, wow, they actually went down that oh,
1: no. Hey, I was, the, the the bloodline can still continue. Yeah, uh, yeah. But and yes, and obviously some people picked up on well that goes, but that's. That's that at the very least is a nice little throwback to the return of the Jedi novelization. That, that's which, where my head went. Yes, yeah. Which, in which Owen was originally mm-hmm. before they changed it. Owen was before they changed it in the, in the prequels, Owen was, was Obi-Wan's brother. And that's, and that, so that's why it was kind of, a lot of people a lot of people did pick up on that but the last yeah the last stuff but, works of course she's gonna of course she's gonna reference bail organa because as far as she mm-hmm. knows the real reason obi-wan kenobi ever came out you know has any connection and certainly came to help her now and now we have this we know this stuff happened was because of the friendship with her father with her father mm-hmm. so of course she's gonna play up that connection and plus you know even in this even in this episode. She, you know, Obi-Wan saying to her, well, it basically kind of like his his kitty version of, you know, bury your feelings deep, Luke, and things yeah. like that, because they, they're basically saying, hey, you know, the, no one can really know that we know each other because it can hurt you and it can hurt me. And so it's kind of like referencing that when she potentially when she's making that, that recording and just the fact that, you know, she's she's doing whatever, fa- you know, she's doing her father's bidding, essentially. Yeah. She's so so I don't, that does not necessarily break canon, and, and plus, it. Gives you a nice logical reason, which there was none before, why she would name her kid Ben. It mm-hmm. makes sense that she would name him possibly mm-hmm. after Obi Wan Kenobi, because on the surface it's like, well, Luke, if he had a kid, that would make sense. But why? And it's like, no, But now we understand that Leia had her own little, you know, relationship with Obi Wan that you know, an formative part of at her time in her life. So that was. Mm-hmm.
0: And so. when and when Luke opens the door and says, "I'm here with Ben Kenobi," right. and she reacts the way she does.
1: Yes, that's the um, part that people conveniently want to ignore when they say i'm not talking about the hologram recording it's like she seems to have no knowledge of who obi-wan kenobi is but yet even mm-hmm. though we know it was probably planned this way but the point was when luke comes in and says i'm here with ben kenobi like she just freaks out ben kenobi where right. so so that is that is your out right there so if somebody did so if somebody was using that as when they were prepping this and writing this to try to justify is like you give them credit for that because that makes that that's perfectly plausible because mm-hmm. she she has a visceral you know, emotional reaction when he says that he's I'm here with Ben Kenobi. Mm-hmm. So that so yeah, yeah. I think And you that- just see
0: it's just a, a wonderful little bonding f- story between the two of them and how they shape each other and how they how he helps inspire her and and how she kind of awakens something in him and and, and lights that fire at him when he needs it the most um and just before I forget like just jumping back to the thing where he mentions his brother I, My head, as soon as he says that, I'm thinking about the Return of the Jedi novelization. Uh, Like you said, my wife, she was watching it and she was thinking that there's something in Leia's face when he says that, where my wife thinks Leia is thinking, I have a brother too out there. And like it like just something like that, that like kind of knowledge, that intuition that goes to Return of the Jedi when Luke is talking to her on Endor. And when he says that they're family and she goes, I've known somehow I've always known.
1: Yeah, that's actually that I did not pick up on that. But that's I think that's a good that's a good pickup. I think that 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 is another thing where at least subtly, whether it's intended or not, it may very well have been. But either way, subtly. Yeah, that works mm-hmm. perfectly. I mean, that's perfectly. So there are some there are some things that they did. Especially when, especially when you get to episode six, uh, episode six, they did, they did a lot. Like one of of the reasons that I didn't like the deconstruction completely of Obi-Wan is because to me, if you go back in a way, the line that defines Obi-Wan to me the most is the, I will do what I must. And even though, which is ironic, because Quigon Qui-Gon actually said it first, but Obi-Wan, it tells you what kind what good a student Obi-Wan was, because that's what Qui-Gon says when Obi Obi-Wan says, "Don't defy the Council." "Not again, Master." It's like, "I will do what I must, Obi-Wan." But that to me defines who Obi-Wan is. That he's all about responsibility. He's about doing what's right. Doesn't matter mm-hmm. what he wants to do it. Doesn't matter what he he likes it or not. He just he just has to do it. That you know, which is why he's almost like your prototypical what a Jedi should be. So, so I didn't like that the idea that oh he would be like running away from everything. So when they give us that line in episode six, which really I did not expect, I certainly did not expect the fight to begin that way, with him saying that like uh, I will do what I must, and of course giving us the classic Obi Wan Kenobi pose. Mm-hmm. That 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 was that was all aw- that that was really awesome. That was really kind of that kind of that kind of that kind of pumped that kind of pumped me up a lot when when they did that, and then. Obviously, the big, the fourth push of Vader into the rock, and then when he just, then he kind of when he kind of did what he, he, Vader's going to end up doing to Luke on Bespin, and just throwing everything but the kitchen sink at (laughs) him, but the rocks. That was that was great. How how, you
0: know Vader was like, that's a pretty good move. I kind of remember that. I got keep, I got to learn that and keep it in my back pocket.
1: I am the master now. I am the master now. I remember this move. But yeah, and just the fact that you know, smart enough to be going, you know, going for the chest plate. That Mm -hmm. that's That was. And with the, ba- with the hilt, that was really cool. And, yeah, it, it all of that was really, really good. And, you, know, I mean, and like we talked about in the preview episode, we knew that the helmet was going to get slashed. You almost had to. And I don't care that it happened in Rebels. That's animated anyway.
0: Sure, yeah.
1: yeah and plus Rebels isn't even the same style, really, as Clone Wars anyway. So this is right. live action. It has so much more impact. Right, right. And there, yeah, there are
0: different it, levels of canonosity, yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, and plus it's, this is, you know, this is this is the, you know, quote unquote, the real Anakin Skywalker from a, from a canon perspective anyway, it's, it's Mm -hmm. Hayden Christensen. So seeing, seeing him in that, seeing him in the helmet and that underneath, that was, that was, that was really cool. And of course, everything that he says is just perfect. It really is perfect. And some people said, oh, you're just, they're they're just, again, and we'll talk about this in a few minutes about, you know, the, the people who just want to apologize for anything, everything for Anakin and blame everything for Obi-Wan. It's like, oh, that's, that line about, you know, I killed, you know, I killed Anakin Skywalker was just to get Obi-Wan off the hook for quote unquote lying and and start and a new hope. And it's like moving beyond the fact that, of course, Yoda made him lie. Now we know. But the point mm-hmm. the point is that line was important because it essentially is true. And Obi-Wan and that's the truth. Obi-Wan has to accept anyway to heal and move on and stop mm-hmm. feeling guilty for shit. And a lot of he shouldn't feel guilty for anyway. The most important line, really, arguably, is the fact when you said, "I am not your failure, Obi-Wan," because <laughs> in a way, that's what haunts him even more: is the fact that because he thinks Obi-Wan thinks this is all his fault, that somehow he let Anakin down, which led him down, you know, started him down this road. And some people do believe that fans, a percentage of fans, do believe that. But the reality is, it, it does add full, a diff, full layers and context to what he says to to Luke because that is. That certain point of view wasn't just a garbage way of spinning a, a, a white lie. It actually is. It is a. It is absolutely a version of the truth. Just like Luke has to cling to the opposite, which is that they're still good in Vader. Right. Because they both need to cling to different truths to achieve their destinies and be the man, the men, and the Jedi they're supposed to be. Because so it's important that Obi Wan realizes finally that okay, Anakin's gone, Vader's left, and I don't have to. The thing that did suck about that is they still didn't give us what we should have. He still should have, there should have been more trying to bring Vader back that they still failed on. You can make the case. The end of that fight was the closest we got. They should have had something, even if it was in the first fight when Obi-Wan got his ass handed to him, Mm -hmm. they should have had more more of a direct line. Yes. Vader would have been able to pick up on the fact that Obi-Wan was trying to reach him. So you can still get away with it. But as some people have said, that was really and I think you and I may have talked about it. That was the main purpose of having them fight again or meet again, was because Obi Wan never really had that moment of trying to bring Vader back in *Sith*. Understandably right. so, based on circumstance. Right. But
0: I'm gonna get to to Vader in Episode six. Um, but going back to Episode three a little bit, and I know like, I, I was I was fine with the deconstruction of Obi Wan and 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 knowing that where he was at the first part of this series, like. I, I kind of was expecting that the first time they would meet, he would have to get beaten down so so much that he could build himself back up. Knowing, and that was just part of the fact that we we kind of knew in advance that the actors had trained for two different lightsaber fights or something like that, uh, or two two encounters, something along those lines. So, I I really liked the the staging, the pr- the presentation of Vader in Episode three, like when he comes in. And it turns into like a slasher horror movie, he's moving <laughs> around like Michael Myers with Jason Voorhees, and he's just like just grabbing like civilians, like people just out of their homes and killing kids and everything, like torture, all because he's trying to smoke out out um, Obi Wan. And I think I think it works and we can allow for it because. Obi-Wan just found out he's alive and is like as we saw like when he's when he's walking around like the in the the landscape with Leia, and he's like seeing ghost images of Anakin in the distance, like just his head is not on right, and he's not ready emotionally for this fight. So to see. To see Vader like this, he is using the power of the fear and the encroaching darkness, and that's why the scenes are lit so darkly. The, the only thing you see is the light from the lightsabers. Um, and he's he's just stalking him like a movie monster and everything like that. And so I, I liked that just because it was like, yeah, this is why everybody in the galaxy is afraid of Darth Vader. Stuff like this. Stuff like the end of Rogue One. You know, we're kind of seeing what we were told in the original trilogy, we're actually seeing that put to execution now. Should Obi-Wan have been in more control? That's debatable. Um, that actually made me kind of think about his story and should this type of story have been told earlier in Obi-Wan's exile? Like would it have been would it have made more sense for him to go out like in the first couple of years? Like when he was living on Tatooine, like the first few years, if he had left and he had been like helping more of this like underground railroad, like the Jedi or something, and it just like maybe having seen failure after failure, that's what like caused him to just become so reclusive. I, I don't know, maybe, maybe, but yeah, certainly like once once he gets beaten down, once he gets almost like like cooked to death, uh, and then has to go through his own Bakta tank experience and the the parallels of. Obi Wan going through that and and Anakin having to live in that essentially uh, that was an interesting thing at the beginning of Episode Four, but then yeah like once once you get to to Episode Six and again we pretty much know how this is going to go, but. They just I mean, I mean, credit to Deborah Chow and, and the writing in that episode. Like it, it is very much just fan service layered on top of fan service, but it was done so really so well. The the fight choreography, the staging, the, the camera work is just exciting. The lighting is incredible, like the the throwing the, the rocks, the plot and everything. And yeah, definitely once once Ben gets his groove back and he comes back like after like he's like Rocky saying, Tommy, I didn't hear no bell. You know, he, come, he comes back and, like, yeah, like, once he starts pounding on him physically with the hilt of the lightsaber and you're getting the, that sound effect of Vader, like, not being able to breathe from from Return of the Jedi, that part was incredible. And once he slashed the, the helmet, like, when you can actually see Hayden's face and hear Hayden's voice intermixed, going in and out, like, of tempo with the James Earl Jonesified Vader voice <laughs> that that was incredibly powerful for the characters but also for the actor and this was something that I talked about like the last time I was here like I was like I I I kind of wanted this to be a nice redemption for Hayden Christensen who as I talked about did not get a lot of love 20 years ago when the movies came out and there's certainly been a new generation of fans that like him and see him as the definitive Anakin Skywalker. And they rally around him, and and he's their boy. So to see that reward and to see him now contemporaneously playing the part. And in that moment, I was like, he is he's taking ownership, not just of Anakin Skywalker. He's taking ownership of the role of Darth Vader in a way that I didn't think was – for him to do even knowing that he's wearing the costume and he's he's walking a little bit faster and he's moving a little bit more like i was still seeing vader not hayden christensen in the costume but when you actually see him and hear him speaking those lines i was like this is a really really good meaty Thing I was like, uh, yeah, that was like a fist pump moment for the Hayden Christensen part of this, which I was just like, I, I never would have expected that. Um, but I just thought that was incredible. And, and everything done with like the masterful use of the lighting, how in the beginning of that sequence, in the beginning of that monologue, he's got he's got uh, Obi-Wan's blue lightsaber covering his face. And he's like, I'm not your failure. You didn't kill Anakin Skywalker. I did. And the shift to the glow, the red glow of his lightsaber. So well done, yeah. Just, just an uh, uh, amazing little finale to theirs to their storyline at that point. So. Uh, as, or, or as, for now.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, well, hopefully they, they really. Let's be honest. Even if they did another season and both the characters were in it, they should never have any more interaction no, until the death God, star. No, After, no. They, 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 no, they they gave us this is a, they gave us pretty much what we needed, quote unquote. And we don't yeah. we, we don't need any more. But that but that that line about then my friend is truly dead. Yeah, that echoing was echoing the Return of the Jedi line. But I mean again, my father is yeah, yes. OBA, yeah. That they they did a lot they did a lot of. Oh, the, and even even the right. fact
0: that even the fact that um Ben walks away calling him Darth. Yes. Because <laughs> that was like the whole thing like yeah. In the first one, Darth was treated like a name, not a title, because like, right. that's the way he's referred to by Kenobi.
1: Yeah. All right. So, but. Yeah, so all that they did, they did enough. But people, there was criticism that maybe they didn't, they weren't doing their homework. Kind of like the, you know, the Sam Raimi and company not watching mm. WandaVision. <laughs> but but the reality is they definitely did their homework when they did, when they came, when they did the, you know, the end of this. Because that, that's exactly what, you know, that is what, that's the moment Obi-Wan needed. You know, he needed to. So it's kind of cool, like you said, on one level we get peak, like peak Vader in episode three. Mm-hmm. You got peak Obi Wan that we probably have never actually seen. Obi Wan like unfettered, just Obi Wan just letting go. That in episode six, which is which is cool. You have you know Obi Wan again, like as we as we kind of suspected, Obi Wan getting his groove back where he's starting to dress Jedi like again by the by the time you get to episode the end of episode six. And of course, saving the hello there for, for Luke was perfect.
0: That was good. I actually, I thought that was going to be just like a hard cut to black and that'd be the the end of the episode. Like I forgot. I was like, oh yeah, we do kind of need to see qui at the end of this. So there needs to be something else. But if they had ended it uh, at the hello there, I was like, that would have been cool.
1: And the thing that makes that, I was thinking about this today. The thing that makes that really cool. you know because some people would again some people will criticize and say well they've just kind of retconned obi-wan's whole you know his whole reason for being we just he kind of just figured he was like lurking essentially watching over luke literally every single moment of every single day for like 18 19 years but if you put it in in this in this perspective it makes even more sense yeah because especially because what anakin could never do of anything was let go anakin was obsessive anakin couldn't let go and he helped and like the main reason padme died in childbirth was because anakin was obsessing of because of padme dying in childbirth right it was a self-fulfilling prophecy so because of all the events of everything that happened in this series it is very possible obi-wan realized well me hovering over this child and being so close actually puts him at more risk than if i just let, let him be yeah so it yeah. shows the difference between Ob- another difference between obi-wan and anakin it also shows that obi-wan is capable of growing and moving beyond you know and maybe acknowledging either he was like even when he's talking to owen but he essentially is mm-hmm. acknowledging that he's wrong from and because owen's right that it means by de facto to a certain extent that obi-wan and his view on luke was wrong or what yeah. should happen with luke so that shows that again it's in a you know in a nutshell very nicely written a diff- the difference between how Anakin Vader just can't let go of anything, which goes back to the Phantom Menace. Your thoughts mm-hmm. dwell on your mother. That everything about Anakin was about the, that he, could, that he couldn't let go of things. Yeah. So that was, which is when we talk, when we talk about the, and I want to do this briefly, of I, I, uh, the Obi-Wan haters or the Anakin apologists, because I've heard, I saw people during the sparring sessions, so you know, we could have got that message across to Anakin nicer. And it's like, it's like, have you not been watching? The relationship between Obi Wan and Anakin enough to figure out. Well, actually, it's not even the relationship between the two. Have you not figured out that Anakin is extremely arrogant and thinks he knows everything and can do everything? So, and Obi Wan has tried multiple times to just tell him things, but he's so dismissive it doesn't matter. So, if so, because of who Anakin is, the only way you can get a point across is basically you have to like show him that he's not as hot shit as he thinks that he is. You have to hum. You have to humble him or have him humble himself. And that, and that's when there, something will resonate inside of him, and maybe he'll learn the lesson. So the which, idea, of, the, which, which, uh,
0: like in a weird sort of reversal, is kind of what the Emperor does at the very end, the very last scene. Right. When when Palpatine says it's like it's like uh it's like uh, like can it's like you when he they when Vader is basically like he's like I will I will scour the universe for this guy, and the Emperor is essentially like dude you're you're head, like, it's like no it's like you need to put this behind it's like you need to focus on on just doing what i tell you to do and and kind of has to like tell him to like pull his head out of his butt and everything like that because he's just like you're you're too obsessed with this and it's clouding your judgment
1: but but the classic understated emperor emperor line you seem agitated <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> or, or vice versa lord veda you seem agitated <laughs> it's like no i am pissed <laughs> yes you think these helmets grow on trees <laughs> yes. uh but it's like yeah. i mean it's like that's the that's the only way oh the, the idea the idea that oh if, if obi-wan just hugged anakin more and gave him a couple of extra juice boxes that things would have turned out all right Gets really frustrating because this is where the rocky thing was in my brain in my brain. And then you made a perfect and you segue to it nicely before. Nobody in the world blames Rocky for Tommy Gunn turning out the way Tommy Gunn did. Okay. Everybody just says Tommy Gunn was a bad seed, and Rocky did the best that he could. Even though Rocky did have really selfish motives for trading Tommy Gunn. It's not like it would be and but people still completely absolve him of all responsibility. They say, Well, you know, he was a bad seed. But when it comes to Anakin, everybody wants to apologize. And say, oh, it's all—it's either all Obi-Wan's fault, or if he, if he just had a more experienced master, or if Obi-Wan was just nicer to him. No, Anakin was the problem. Every every Force-sensitive person in Episode One, including Qui-Gon, knew there were problems with him. <laughs> Qui-Gon was just the only one who wouldn't say he was dangerous, wrong that he was, but everybody else picked up on stuff with him. It was Anakin. He had these flaws he couldn't overcome. It wasn't anybody else's fault. Could could Qui-Gon have maybe reined him in the men a little bit? Maybe. Could a more experienced master have done a better job? Maybe. Could the older Obi-Wan have done a better job? Sure. Doesn't mean the outcome was going to be different. And it doesn't mean it's their fault. You know, <laughs> so it it's it just gets I mean, just just I mean, like I said, people excuse just casually excuse Rocky. And just imagine if Rocky was on, on Mickey's deathbed, Rocky would settle with Rocky got promised me. You got to train the kid. <laughs> right. <laughs> just imagine that people would have said, Oh man, of course it's not Rocky's fault. He was doing it for Mickey. Well, that's what happened to Obi-Wan. <laughs> he got stuck with a lemon and he, somebody he never would have picked because he knew they were a bad match. But he did the best he could, and I don't think he really did a bad job. But and and the Jedi Council gave the
0: problem child to the least experienced Jedi after. thats That is
1: that that is true. That is true too. That would have been see. That's the interesting thing too, which also I think shows some of the selfishness for Qui Gon, Hmm. the fact that. He put this burden on Obi-Wan, not necessarily because he's, you'd like to think he believed in Obi-Wan, that Obi-Wan would do a good job. And I think Obi-Wan did do a good job. If you see the Clone Wars animated show, there's no reason to say that he didn't. Yeah. But he didn't do that for, necessarily for only for that reason. He did it because he didn't think the council was going to let anybody else train him. <laughs> so if he puts the if he if he put, if he guilt Obi-Wan on his deathbed, he knows Obi-Wan will do it. <laughs>
0: master maybe caddy mundy can do this it's like no no screw that cone-headed bastard <laughs> that guy owes me money you got to do this
1: <laughs> he keeps telling me my thoughts dwell on my mother oh <laughs> <him. laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah i mean and Vader, you know vader does kind of remind me of of loki he reminds me of loki especially when uh, in the loki series when uh Mobius says, I think about the glorious, the glorious purpose thing for like a guy with glorious purpose. You sure lose a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Vader loses a whole lot, which is good because that's that. But it it certainly was satisfying to see to see kind of quote, quote unquote peak Vader get his ass handed to him. Sure. I well still yeah. was I still was disappointed that Obi-Wan didn't take off the one arm that he didn't take off the first time. I was, I was really hoping for that just to complete the set. I was really, yeah, I was really, I mean, that would have been really, really cool. I mean, you can't complain about what we got, but, you know, but but they did, they did so. And then, and then, you know, the Qui-Gon stuff at the end, it's like, well, that that could have been better. We knew we were going to get to see him. They were kind of doing the Chekhov's gun or whatever with him and for like the first three episodes, mentioning him all the time. So it's like, well, we, you have to use Qui-Gon by the last third act. Yeah, but I was I was kind I wanted of something deeper. I wanted him to be saying, I mean, he did. I mean, we we know kind of what he means that Obi-Wan was in the wrong mind mindset. And, mm-hmm. and, and that's the reason why he couldn't really that he wasn't ready to see Qui-Gon then. But I kind of want I mean, again, maybe again, this is stuff they would say, but they're going to do another story. Where, or when there's more conversation between Obi wan and Qui Gon, but if this is like the only moment we ever see of Obi wan and Qui Gon together, that yeah, I would have liked Obi, I would have liked Qui Gon to at least say something more meaningful. I'm not, I mean, clearly now he doesn't have to say anything to, to let Obi wan off the hook because Obi wan <laughs> is off the hook. Vader yeah, essentially I, did I, that. I,
0: I was kind of expecting it like the moments like when when obi-wan is buried when he's underneath all that rubble yes like that's the point where he hears you know like, get up you son of a bitch i was going to say we're going back to rocky 5 again he's like get up you son of a bitch loves you.
1: <laughs> i think most people in the world watching thought that was going to be the moment yeah. when, but but it was cool and it was good for obi-wan as a character and what we think of obi-wan that obi-wan ultimately didn't need help he needed inspiration in his own head, but he didn't need, he didn't need any, I don't need no fourth ghost showing up. <laughs> but that was, <clears throat> yeah, that was, so, yeah, the Reva part in episode six, just kind of, it just took away. I mean, I mean it, just, it, it was, well, it, because she was the one new character, she
0: was the one person whose, whose fate was kind of uncertain. I mean, she could have died in that thing. And, um, But, and, uh, yeah okay all right so here here's the issue that though that i had is because of the because luke needed to be far enough away from the dangers that he didn't know there's some sith (laughs) sith lady with with a red lightsaber coming after me because that probably would have been something he talked to obi-wan about later on in life that that whole thing like they, they couldn't break in. he had to think that maybe it was Tusken raiders or something like that because of that Luke was vi- Luke, just by necessity Luke had to be very passive and, and almost the the damsel in distress in the story right. whereas we got to see Leia stepping out and becoming this kind of badass little hero on her own it would have been cool if we had gotten a parallel between them if we had seen that from Leia and we also get to see yeah 10 years old Luke is really he's got some ingenuity to him maybe like He's, she's sneaking around or something he hot wires their land speeder and runs over runs her over or something and drives off and everything I mean, like uses his pilot skills something like that to kind of like save his own butt anything like that like to kind of give luke a little bit more action and and, and, and um, ownership for himself urgency agency sorry I couldn't think of the word um I, I would have preferred that but unfortunately the constraints of continuity they kind of handcuffed them.
1: And I agree with that. I've read some, I've seen some of that criticism and I think it's fair that again, for whatever reason or reasons you want to analyze and say why, why you think they did that either way, it was once again, they could have elevated Leia without kind of like downgrading Luke or making him look like this, this bumbling, not so much bumbling, but kind of making him look like a complete, like you said, like the damsel in distress character in that. And, and the, and still, it still doesn't sit right on some levels that again, they, that, it was like, oh, technically the only reason why everything works out the way it does is just because Reva chooses not to kill Luke, not because uh-huh. you know. So, so theoretically Obi Wan's main purpose could have gone straight down the toilet just because right. of, which wasn't all. I mean, which wasn't all his fault, even though he, he wouldn't be happy with Bail Organis. like I told you I should have left that fl- not left that planet, <laughs> but it's I do understand why that still bothers people. I'm glad they did it in a way that Luke doesn't really see enough where it really screws up any. Anything that we the innocence that we have because when you think about it, when Luke first sees the lightsaber in in Episode Four, that's the first time we see a lightsaber in the history of Star Wars. So that's kind of an an important introduction for all of us. So if he saw like a Sith lightsaber, even if he didn't completely understand what it, and they like you, I think you and I talked about, they could have they could have tried to work around it if. If they tried to do kind of like what happened with with Grogu, where obviously somebody did something to his memories and suppressed his memories, Mm -hmm. that if they had done, they could have tried, they could have gone down that route. Which, of course, would have been ultimately almost like symmetry with Luke trying to uncover and wake up Grogu's memories, not realizing he had some some of his own that were hidden. Mm -hmm. That they could have done that if they needed to. They have Obi-Wan maybe do that with, with Owen being okay with it saying you know because luke was freaking out or he was in such pain or in fear it's like i don't want him living in fear like this that they could have done it i'm glad they did it this way because it's just clean it's just really clean
0: i mean even i mean this kind of takes away from the the iconography of star wars the whole lightsaber concept of it but it could have been that her lightsaber was destroyed by vader in their fight and she goes to tatooine was just a knife for a blaster like she yes, didn't need yes. the lightsaber to try and kill this kid she could have had any weapon yeah um but but then it's like i mean yeah there, there is something to the signature silhouette of like this woman with lightsaber stalking him. but yeah I, I i've sensed that we're sort of running down so just like a few other things that i i want i was thinking of i like seeing Obi-Wan in different hues and different colors. <laughs> um, I, I like that his robes were kind of different. He, he was even sporting some blue. I still wish to God, I was like, okay, you're going undercover to rescue this child on this planet full of like smugglers and criminals and bounty hunters. It's really important that you don't announce yourself as a Jedi maybe change clothes <laughs> maybe maybe have obi-wan like dress like uh like in like a pilot suit or something like that or dress like han solo or something just just once like have him step out and wear something other than these like nondescript brown robes um i would have liked that the other thing i thought of was when he's rescuing her from the the inquisitor fortress in underwater I, I know that it has a name from the video game i just can't think of it but when she's in the chamber and he's turning off the lights to like take out the the stormtroopers okay in the force awakens finn tells ray that stormtrooper masks don't block out don't filter out toxins or poisons or something like that because they're going to try and knock them out with gas and then in here in this obi-wan episode we see that they don't have infrared vision either because they don't see obi-wan sneaking around in the dark until he kills them with the lightsabers why do stormtroopers wear those helmets if they don't if like they they don't have any infrared vision or breathing apparatus like I, again I, I, that's a stupid question because it's star wars of course they're wearing helmets but it's like shouldn't they have built in some tactical advantage to those things
1: well it seems to have a little event avan- it did seem to have a little bit of impact in for lightsaber deflection at least a little bit because it's not like they got killed with the first swing it took like a couple of swings to mm-hmm. Obi- but yeah but the point you're raising yeah that goes back to the original star wars it's like what's the point of wearing the armor if it doesn't even stop a blaster from getting through it yeah it's just to make you m- a mindless lemming is what it uh, on right, the surface right that you're all fa- faceless not mindless but you're yeah. uh, arguable but yeah. you're but you're faceless oh, yeah. you are face
0: oh and then the beginning of episode six, when the Star Destroyer is chasing their, yeah. their craft Oops. and the lasers are going, like, I know everybody's making the joke that yeah, the Star Destroyers are as bad as at painting as stormtroopers. <laughs> like they can't they can't hit any shit. Um, it's just uh, that that looks bad. I didn't like like the just how dumb it was they're chasing I'm like send out some TIE fighters. Also, if every ship can outrace a Star Destroyer. No, the, that's something that the Millennium Falcon should be able to do because the Millennium Falcon is goddamn special. Not every junkie like life raft carrying fugitives and refugees should be able to do that. So, yeah, I, I was disappointed that uh, like just and, and some of the look, I just thought that was kind of cheap and, and poorly, poorly choreographed. But but that was my only real complaint with episode six as far as that goes.
1: Yes, it it ended it ended well. Mm-hmm. And overall, again, there's so mm-hmm. there's still still some flaws, but the, the the Vader Obi-Wan stuff was so good. Yeah. That, there
0: was uh, there was very good stuff throughout in every episode. There was stuff that was kind of eh, in every episode. But overall I, like going into this show, I was like the, the big question is, can this show justify its own existence? knowing that it's just filler, that it's not necessary, it's an essential story. At the end of it, will it make a difference that they've actually made this show? And I feel like because of how strong that last episode is, it just barely, just barely justifies its own existence and, the, and, and makes the show worth making at all but I still think it would have been a better two hour movie than a six hour series.
1: I agree. I think it still would have been a better movie, I think. And, and I think it would have been very successful if they had, if they had, if they had done that as a movie. Oh, sure. Yeah. 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 If they trimmed
0: the fat and like the best elements of this and just made it a tighter story. Yeah. I think it would have been uh, huge.
1: And one thought, one thing I thought of is like, Hey, if you're going to, if you were going to do a second season, like why can't, why can't we have that? The maul the mall Vader confrontation that we've never actually had in real canon on film. <laughs> yeah, actually, because <laughs> Maul, is, Maul at this point is still around. Yep. Uh, so why that would be something people would people would love that people would love to have it, and it's not like they and it's not like you can't justify their paths crossing because of his his all his underworld connections. All right. People would, lo- I mean, people would love to, especially if it was Hayden. Come on, if it was Hayden Christensen and Ray Park i mean come on people would love that mm. they would love that so that uh and that would and that would be a complete and then to, in a way it would be well you better come up with something really interesting for obi-wan to do or else if it's going to be in the same show because or else everyone's going to be interested in the vader mall stuff <laughs>
0: but, yeah that's almost worth doing a, a different series yeah. not even not even making that an obi-wan
1: show yeah just they just could doing- they could do they could either either do a mall show or do a vader show i mean that's yeah. t- i mean they could do that re- they could do that easily. And there would be there would be interest in that. Yeah. All right. So you want to delve into your, your cool. Yeah. Stories? yeah.
0: Um, I just wanted to mention uh, as far as be- between the times that we've talked, um, uh, I took a little vacation with the family. We went back to my home stomping grounds in Illinois. And um, early on in June, uh, the uh, Juliet, Illinois, um, joliet's public library joliet famous for her. if anybody has seen um uh the blues brothers uh <laughs> joliet jake gets out of jail that that prison is still there <laughs> we, can drive by. we actually we actually
1: did love drive that by. movie my oh, mom and I, I were just talking about that movie yesterday actually. it's one of my
0: top five all-time yeah, favorite movies great i movie. love i love the blues brothers but yeah joliet public library put out something called star wars day uh i think it's an annual event and it's just kind of a fan event um, celebrating just kind of like the thing they they have they kind of block off like a street they've got a little stage with music they have a lot of vendors, uh, street trucks like food trucks, things like that. Inside the library, they did have kind of like mini celebrity signings. Um, it was a very small function, there was only like three or four people, and and like no big like name actors or anything from the movies. But they included the artist Dave Dorman, uh, who any fans of uh the Dark Horse comics from the 90s will recognize. He was the cover artist for Star Wars Dark Empire, um, all of those series, um, a lot of the other Star Wars comics in the 90s, uh, X Wing Rogue Squadron, one of my favorite comics. So he was there signing autographs um, and also the author, John Jackson Miller, who wrote the novel Kenobi, which was a story in the old canon, uh, the old expanded universe cabin about what Obi-Wan Kenobi did like the day he arrives on Tatooine. With baby Luke and how he kind of settles in with this uh, with this little village, trying to keep a low profile while still getting drawn into you know their their local politics and the local like uh, elements of the, the 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 settlers and the Sand people. Um, really cool book, really cool uh, fun little story. Um, as you said, maybe they could they could mine elements of that one if they do another season of Obi Wan. But yeah, the, then the big thing is um, like the photo op. They have like a whole parade and seriously they had a hundred cosplayers there dressed in Star Wars gear from stormtroopers clone troopers I mentioned there was a General Grievous which was just a a guy behind a cape working the arms and legs like marionettes like puppets Um, lots of Darth Vader's lots of Darth Maul's lots of Kylo Ren's tons of Mandalorian representation Uh, Mandalorian's uh, uh, Bo-Katan's Grogu's lots of characters from Rebels like Sabine Ahsoka There were some Ray... Uh, one one large seven foot tall Chewbacca, um, lots of Tusken Raiders, lots of Jawas, um, lots of different oh, the 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 Gorax monster from the Ewok adventure, uh, a couple of representatives like characters from the video games. Who I don't I recognize them, but I don't even know their names because I haven't played enough of the games. But yeah, me and my son got pictures with all of those, and he was he was very excited. He was appropriately scared by some of the the uh, more monstrous looking ones, but um he he knew how to uh to flirt and smile with the princess leias and the rays so good on him uh, I
1: mean, you but, applaud uh, him well exactly exactly
0: I was like, lean in closer, lean in closer. <laughs> But uh yeah yeah it was just a cool little event so yeah if you if you happen to be around there if you're if your town does something like that or puts on an event like that it was it was very cool to see a lot of kids involved a lot of kids cosplaying and and the younger generation getting involved and Again, showing that like these these things are generational. What were the little kids dressed in? They were dressed as the kid, the cartoons from Clone Wars and Rebels and and like the Lego specials and stuff like that. Like they're 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 gravitating towards the new characters. That's that's what they're getting. So
1: yes, those pictures were very cool. Looks like it was a looks like it was a fun time for all. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I could not get a good deal on the Jawas. I tried to sell him off, but. <laughs>
1: And They have a tribe to feed, after all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that was that was kind of a nice touch, actually having having the, in a way a, the more the most personal Java that we've seen so far. <laughs> getting, <laughs> yeah. getting an inkling into into the way Jawas actually think more. It's like that was kind of that, having that. That was one of the best parts, like of episode, of episode of episode of episode slash chapter one. It's like if you're going to steal my steal my things and sell them back to me, could you at least clean them first? Yes, as a courtesy? <laughs> Now,
0: but now where my I have to imagine that that's the same Jawa that was fooling around with Pelimato, the, the, yes. the starship mechanic from. Yeah. That's got to be the same. Probably. The same Jawa. It prob-
1: It probably is. That would be That would be funny. If there is a season two, we need to see the Jawa. <laughs> More Jawa. Just like uh, they they were real fast at putting out that Lola toy, weren't they? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Even even before I went into the holster. Uh, people. Oh, people. Yeah. Overall it wasn't as good as I hoped, but it certainly rebounded from where it seemed like it was heading at one point. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. It was it was uneven, but it was entertaining. Again, considering considering I, I went into the show thinking it had a it had a low ceiling, it could only get so good. It got pretty close to that. And and, and the best parts of it were really, really, really good. So yeah.
1: Yeah. All right, Ryan, tell people where they can listen to you.
0: You can hear me uh, over on the fire and water podcast network. Um, Once upon a time, I had my own star Wars podcast called give me those star Wars. Uh, I haven't done anything with that in a long time. Uh, It's much easier and much more fulfilling to just come on other people's shows to talk about star Wars (laughs) uh, on their dime. Um, But uh, what you can hear me keeping current with is cheers cast, which is my index show of my favorite TV show of all time. uh, The 1980s and nineties NBC comedy cheers. So,
1: Cool. So for us, lanterncast at gmail.com. The website is lanterncast.com. You can follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, hashtag Geocast. to track us down there. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Please leave us a positive review on all platforms you listen to us on. Last but not least, if you'd like to leave us a voicemail or a text, 708-Lantern is that number. If you're still looking for our Discord link, you can just email us at lanterncast at gmail.com. And just in case anybody didn't listen to our preview episode, because we did talk about spoilers and they don't, and anybody wants to see how close we were in our predictions, which I think for the most part, we were pretty spot on for the most part. Uh, episode 479 was the preview episode of this, which book ends this. When you think about it, we did get I think we did get most of everything. We we a consequence that we kind of called for. I mean, uh, we had you know the emperor. Uh, we yeah. Qui-Gon was a given. Um, yeah, I think most. The yeah, only I thing I think, the only thing they they, they fooled us with in, before we go. The only thing they fooled us on a little bit, but I think it worked out. Is instead of Owen and Ben's relationship getting worse, it got kind of got better. But in, they do it in a context which I get, it kind of makes it work a little bit. I yeah. so I I so than, but I think yeah I think we were I think we did pretty well. I, I think projecting on, or in, or predicting what we thought it was going to turn out. Yeah, yeah, cool. So I guess you and I. Next time you and I reconvene, we'll probably be for Halloween. I'm guessing, oh. right? Probably for Halloween ends. Probably. That should that should be joyous. Uh, mm-hmm. So I can't believe we didn't get a trailer. I thought for sure that trailer was going to be on the black phone. I can't. They, they are waiting a long-ass time to put out a, a teaser trailer for this. But, uh, well, but they have other horror movies coming out soon, so I'm sure it'll be yeah. on some A24 or Blumhouse movie. But yeah. that being said, <laughs> good night, everybody. Good night.